everyone out there in listening land. <laughs> it is Daria and Ivy with Hi. another another not so giant women recording. Today we're gonna have some arcade mania. So we know there's gonna be an arcade, <laughs> and we know there's gonna be mania. <laughs> yep, not arcade fire. That's a band. My yeah. guess is well, pretty much what Ivy just said that. I assume arcade in the sense of video games. Uh-huh. Maybe one of the gems discovers this earthly delight and ah, gets a mania for it. There we go. A possible prediction for how this mania may manifest, you know, or they could just completely throw us for a loop and do something completely unrelated to both of those words. You never know. Yeah. You can't be too sure in a prediction here. As you've pointed out, <laughs> you can't even be too sure of prediction if you've read the episode synopsis on the site yeah. or guide or whatever you're reading. So there's no good cheating with that. Yeah. Well, shall we do this thing? Yeah, here we go. And I was going to press play now. We are the Crystal Gems. We'll always save the day. <laughs> what an episode <laughs> another of the i suppose lighter ones yeah. i briefly worried if garnet was going to have proper video game addiction and we're going to get a very special steven universe but no no such thing happened no <laughs> she was just transfixed so shall we have our summary <laughs> all right yep Stephen and the gems are on what is supposed to be a stealth mission, but for Stephen's puffy jacket that he won't take off. It's making all kinds of rustly noises. It's even less quiet when Amethyst imitates the noises to try to get Stephen into trouble. The gang run across some kind of rock monster crystalline spider thing, which Garnet charges into battle against and punches it right in the orifice. <laughs> There's something. <laughs> Which makes short work of it. The spines, the cones it's been firing at the gang, drill into the ground instead of being fired at the gang. Garnet dismisses them as parasites. Amethyst tries to follow and simply gets stuck in the ground and swallows a rock. <laughs> Having completed today's mission, Stephen says they've earned a reward. He, of course, has something in mind, which is to take them to Funland's arcade. Yes, Funland has an arcade as well as a fun park. Mr. Smiley is... Nonetheless, there the gems have differing reactions to the various games. Pearl is unimpressed with the racing and crashing car game because this game has no turn signals and she's trying to follow all of the road <laughs> rules. Amethyst initially takes the ski ball, which I can understand because I kind of like ski ball and there's nowhere to play it around here anymore. However, Garnet is a slow learner and starts taking instructions for the games literally punching the screen out of one and punching the little punch robot out of another which as it is flying out of the room asks everyone to tell its wife it loves her. <laughs> Stephen realizes that Garnet may function best on a dance dance revolution type game called <laughs> is it meat beat beat the meat or these meat beat mania meat beat mania thank you in which these maraca-like things, which are shaped like joints of meat, have to be shaken in time with the beat of a music. And Garnet takes this quite nicely. However, Mr. Smiley notices the damage to his other machines and throws our heroes out. The next morning, Stephen asks what the mission is for today. Pearl 
<laughs> says they haven't won yet. Amethyst says that Garnet will provide as she is the boss. Pearl dismisses it simply saying that Garnet has enhanced senses that bring them to their next goal, which Amethyst says means she's the boss. Amethyst <laughs> does decide to give Stephen the mission of slamming his face into his cereal, which <laughs> he doesn't mind as he's convinced this has defeated the giant foot. They are fighting in his view of the world, despite <laughs> Pearl's exasperation. Garnet, of course, is not there, which is why they're able to discuss her in her absence. We can probably guess where she is, but we don't know that yet. Stephen decides to go down metal detecting on the beach, and during his beachcombing, he finds quarters, finds a silver dollar, which is apparently no use to him because he has (laughs) limited understanding of money. And he metal detects another metal detector. While he's trying to pick up a coin, though, his hand is grabbed by one of the parasites from yesterday. There are a flock of them on the beach. They are changing from flying starfish to little cone things that fling themselves around the place. Amethyst and Pearl try to come to the rescue, but there are just so many of them. Even in town, the cone starfish parasites are everywhere. As they run through town, Stephen realizes where Garnet must be, and that is that she is still beating the meat from yesterday. As the others fight the parasites with limited success, Stephen tries to break Garnet away from the game, and this does not work. She is completely, as Ivy said, enthralled, entranced. Stephen tries, well, he tries shaking her. He can't budge her. He tries talking to her. He tries climbing her. He knocks her shades off, and we see she, in fact, has three eyes in there, one of which switches color from time to time. He tries to unplug the machine. This doesn't work as Garnet just grips the sides and sends a new jolt of energy through it. He realizes the only way to get her out of beating the meat is to beat his own meat to beat her. He grabs the other set of controls and tries to beat her at her own game. Doesn't work though because she's been practicing all night and she is Garnet and he is not and he is Stephen. Well said. Eventually he rips part of the console out which shorts out the game and brings Garnet back to her senses. She closes her middle eye and the color changing eye and simply waves her hand and her shades reappear having disappeared when they hit her foot earlier. Thanking Stephen she goes out to fight the parasites of the other two. Mr. Smiley is having none of this though and makes Stephen stay behind because he broke the machines and Stephen has to clean up the arcade for all the damage. The gems complete, well, as far as we can tell, they successfully fight off the parasites, but Stephen is still stuck sweeping the floor in the arcade under Mr. Smiley's instruction and Iris out to credits. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's a pretty weird one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we learned a thing or two about Garnet, I'll say, first up. Uh, yeah, she yes, has, it's really nice to see that. Apart from the fact she is obviously really into musical games she has three eyes and this may be the source of her was likely the source of her enhanced senses that pearl refers to yeah a literal third eye <laughs> which also pretty much disappears when she closes it i don't know if having a third eye makes you better at video games or if that's just because <laughs> she's a seasoned warrior and is taken to this battle they also address what many viewers have thought that Garnet is the boss. Pearl says she is not. Amethyst says she is. So obviously it's not something completely settled in story either. Yeah, that's one of the things I really, really liked about this episode because they don't ever sit down and say, this is our structure. I'm the leader. This one is the tech person. This one's the funny one. You know, they don't do that. 
but you've always seen that Garnet is like a badass and she seems to be the one telling people what to do. But in this one, you definitely see that they look at her like she's the leader and then Pearl's like, well, you know, we're a team. <laughs> Pearl's not quite ready to cede that title to someone yet. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I totally help. <laughs> she's probably thinking if she were truly a leader, surely she'd be more focused on organizing um, <laughs> filing and cleaning. Yeah. Well, if you ever look at kind of how they're posed in scenes, a lot of times if Pearl is actively doing something, Garnet is just watching. She's usually not helping. So (laughs) that's probably, uh, that would definitely make Pearl feel like she's a more valuable member of the team if she's the one doing. (laughs) Garnet's ready to punch stuff, but she's probably not going to sweep the floor. Uh, And she's probably assessing information with any number of her eyes. (laughs) It's a very uh, strong possibility, I would say. And to think, just this morning, I was wondering if gem garments were permanently attached like part of their flesh. Mm -hmm. But you can at least knock garnet shades off. As soon as they hit the floor or hit her foot, they disappear again. But they're at least removable. Yeah, that was definitely interesting. It kind of made some people say, like, what is that? Like, is it sort of a shape-shifting thing because she brought them back or... Does she just have infinite shades? Like she has infinite fists? <laughs> you know? Like, is it a kind of Green Lantern self-generating uniform thing? <laughs> Could be. Yeah. So it's funny. I kind of had to bite my lip when we were talking about what you would do if you saw under her shades one of the last episodes. <laughs> you were like, I don't know. I might be disturbed by that. <laughs> she did look weird. I mean, apart from the third eye, even when she closed it away, the, yeah. that she's actually standing there with two expressive eyes when we're used to just the yeah. screen in front of her, and her mm-hmm. eyes and very little emotion from the rest of her face. Yeah. I have wondered sometimes, like, how stoic would she really come across if you could see her expression? So I think that helps with her stoic, badass image is that you can't tell what her eyes are doing. Yeah, she channels also, so she's glaring at them but from behind the shades, but doesn't let it show in any other part of her face. Yeah, well, oh, it's definitely part of a sort of mystique she has, which, you know, it works. <laughs> And another creature whose gem can be bubbled away this week. Yes. Once Amethyst punched it in the whatever, there was a little spiky gem in a bubble. I'd like that the the gems kind of reflect what they've been pulled out of. It's not just the same design of gem Mm -hmm. every time. Right. There seem to be different shapes and uh, therefore different body shapes as well. Yeah, that's true. This one had spikes like the creature had, so you could definitely see the link there. Yeah, yeah, it sure did. Looked very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I like I like that opening scene, just kind of Garnet completely confidently conquering this thing. And Amethyst is like, oh, I'm going to help. Oh, I'm going to slam myself into the, into the ground. <laughs> I'm going to have to have myself pulled back out by Garnet. And I swallowed a rock. <laughs> I like when she was messing with Steven also, that she's making the sound, trying to get him in trouble. Which works. Yeah, she's such a jerk sometimes. <laughs> Like, you still love her, but oh my god. <laughs> I really like the monster design this week. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a crab and a spider and an ankylosaurus had a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great description. Um, 
I thought it was interesting that it had those uh, those spikes, those drill parasites that continued after the monster itself was gone. It reminded me of the, the centipedo having little oh, baby yeah. ones too. Yeah, I guess. Although we didn't see any baby ones after the original centipedo was gone. So it's like we've seen two now that make like babies of themselves. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how they work if they're just random parasites or if maybe this mm-hmm. is what they do when their host gets punched away. They need to just go nuts looking for a new one and follow mm. the nearest gem warriors and half humans they find back to mm-hmm. beach city yeah i don't know how that works i would have thought that if the host was gone that the parasites would would not continue on but evidently that is not how it works <laughs> yeah i would have at least thought if they do continue on that their best priority would be to find another lobstersaurus yeah oh maybe the crystal shrimp are babies of a giant shrimp yeah yeah <laughs> i just thought of that <laughs> would like to see that monster hmm So I also thought it was really cute and really kid appropriate that Steven decided he was going to reward them for their hard work by taking them to the best place in the world, the arcade. And they're just not really into it, but he's like, this is going to be the best thing. I'm going to, I'm going to give you this wonderful time. It was so cute. (laughs) Yeah. And the, well, Garnet's reaction, of course, was half the episode, but the other two's reaction was very them. Uh, Yeah. Amethyst was into skee-ball properly for a bit until she found a better way to get tickets. Right. Like as soon as you see her smile like that, you're like, oh, she's going to (laughs) cheat. Yeah. I I can imagine she wants a little scooter moped thing like Onion got. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what what kind of amazing mischief could she get up to with that? (laughs) And it was kind of cute. Onion just sitting there all night, just watching Garnet. Yeah. Sipping a soda. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, that's I adore it when you see him in the background just observing chaos. <laughs> it's adorable. Um, and Pearl summed herself up nicely as soon as I she did have my doubts the- about, like, we've been getting to know the gems as we watch from the beginning. <laughs> huh? What's that? Pearl summed herself up nicely as soon as she gets to the racing game, she's looking for the turn signal. Yep, exactly. And I was surprised that Steven was like, I'm totally, I'm going to give Pearl this game where she has to make a mess of everything and break rules. Like, I mean, we, we know she's not going to be into that, but like, why does he, why does he think she's going to be into that? I, I, I wondered that, but I also thought, oh, maybe he just thinks that she'll enjoy operating a vehicle. And I think, as she said a little bit ago, he just got this fog of people must enjoy video games. Mm-hmm. So he's got, this is a video game. You will enjoy it. And hasn't necessarily figured out this isn't the best one for her yeah i'm not sure what she would she'd probably like one of those three match games better but Hmm. i think um she might have actually been into skee-ball because she likes to throw her spears and stuff like that it's a precision game and she'd probably be really good at it but you know there's no uh i don't know amethyst would probably be into the the destruction of the yeah actually (laughs) they've done nicely switched around and skee-ball i was gonna say skee-ball has rules skee-ball has Mostly one rule, which Amethyst yeah. needs to break, but... It'd probably be too easy for her. Yeah, she'd have to... There's no way to advance, like, with at least with Garnet's game, you know, it starts to go faster and faster and faster. Um, but with something like Skee-Ball, it doesn't... They don't get farther away or smaller holes or anything. So she'd probably get bored of it. Either that or she'd uh, enter into a competition with Amethyst and be very angry if uh, Amethyst got close to catching up with her. <laughs> They put some mm. thought into the games, which they often don't in cartoons or in fact in TV yeah. in general, where they're just sort of flashing boxes that beep every so often. Oh, uh, yeah. 
especially the details on the Beat Beat Mania, that yes. the, the two players are represented by a pig and a chicken and the maracas are pork chops and yes. drumsticks. Everything was so planned out as if someone had actually had these meetings of how they're going to design these games and they're not even real. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Um, and if it, it, um, I don't know how universal this was, but in like that time, like a long time ago, when I was a kid, all these, uh, video games, when you would go to these arcades, they would have that same message on them. Winners don't use drugs. It was on there for like a minute, a a second before he started one of the games. It, It had, uh, and instead of Capcom, it said Carpcom. <laughs> yeah, I do remember. Th- I do remember those messages of yeah other things like you know it's only a game, which was you know admonishing you from taking the rivalry outside the game and beating up the other kids. <laughs> yeah, mm. the uh, meat beat mania thing was actually censored in some countries. Ah, the double entendre too much for them. Yeah, they don't like, you know, the pretty obvious masturbation joke. So, um, <laughs> I, I, was a, I was a little surprised that got through, but there there's is. quite a few things that do in this show. But um, I believe they took out the um, the meat word. They took that off and it just said beat mania. Which I guess um, if you didn't know would work fine because it is a game about yeah. a beat. But mm-hmm. Yeah. It wouldn't be the, one of the dodgiest examples of censorship we've seen because we've seen things where sentences cut off halfway through or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was watching a Filipino TV series a while ago. They'd obviously learnt late in the game they couldn't show brand names. Oh. And so they actually had captions on screen with the fake brand name over the real one in shot. But it, was just <laughs> sort of, it wasn't like clever CGI. It was the sort of caption you use for credits and locations. Wow. <laughs> so it's really obvious when it happens. Yeah. I know a few things about alternate dialogue that they have to record for this show because it's shown in quite a few countries. So there's like, especially with regard to, I guess, violence. If we mention violence, th- there's a lot of countries where you can't say something that violent and they'll say something else. Yeah. It's really interesting. The old never say die rule still pops up now and again just when you think it's gone, which makes it weird when you watch an older cartoon or a newer cartoon where they can talk about death and just call it death, which kind of leaps out at you. I watched one which I learned how to, I can't remember what it was, but it had a weird rule. You could talk about death or dying or being killed. You could have characters die. You couldn't talk about death in relation to the actual on-screen deaths. I see. (laughs) Definitely not the case with this show. (laughs) Uh, I don't know that there's been a lot of examples of that as such, but uh, there definitely will be. (laughs) Even in jest, you know, like, oh, I'm going to (laughs) die and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. We have had, we have had things like that, which would be more on, far too on the nose for earlier shows. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. So let's see. Um, And obviously this one doesn't have the rule about child endangerment. (laughs) Oh, no, no. I mean, they put a helmet on him, but they don't make him wear the helmet when he's in battle. Like, what? Yeah. I guess they just figure kids aren't going to go out and fight monsters, but they will get on a, on a bicycle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm. What, do you, what do you think Amethyst would try to buy with tickets? She said she was going to win an airplane. I think, yeah, she would get as many tickets as she could and just buy the biggest things she could, regardless <laughs> of what it was. I think... <laughs> This might be a trophy for her, a status symbol. So even if she doesn't want that room-sized stuffed llama, she will get the tickets for it and she will win it. 
<laughs> and even she though was, she cheated. <laughs> yeah, and she will stick it in the living room and she will look at the huge stuffed llama I won, even if she has no particular regard for stuffed toys or llamas, because she won the big stuffed llama. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I could definitely see that, especially after the episode before this, where um, she was sort of teasing Pearl with that pillow and saying like, my kill, my keep. And then she wouldn't bubble it away. She just had to have it in the living room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trophy. <laughs> uh, that so. does work when she plays off Pearl, who Pearl's is like, it's not about winning, but I'd rather I won instead of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Pearl is really overt about that, but I feel like we saw some competitive aspects of Garnet today too. Like she was like, she punches the screen and she's like, I did it. And then she punches the punch buddy. I win again. <laughs> She's so funny that way. Well, if she's been I mean, presented with a challenge, she must meet it. We saw that also before with the rotating room when she said, then we're just going to do it again and again and again. And like, she wouldn't mind. <laughs> we, got, we got a thing we've got to win over and I'm going to win it over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Seemed like... Um... I feel like she was too much of an in a too much of a trance to even realize that Steven was even there. But I wonder if she registered on any level that there was a challenger, like that she was playing two player for like a short time and went into that mode to have to beat the other person. I mean, it was not it was not hard for her at all. I mean, <laughs> yeah, or if she just kept going so hard, it didn't really matter if the other person was there, mm-hmm. or maybe part of her mind was just completely in the game world. That that's what I think. Another player. Turns up, but it's just part of the world she is in. She is in the zone. It doesn't mm-hmm. really relate to whether anything flesh and blood is going on around her. Yeah, because I like to think that if she knew, if she really registered that people were in trouble, she would she would go help them. Um, she just, you couldn't get through that shell. Yeah, well, as noted, the other two are having limited success with the <laughs> cone starfish parasites. So right. people weren't seriously dying off or anything. It was... Mostly just a spot of chaos, far from right. the worst she's faced, and no one's in serious yeah. dilemma, in peril. Yeah, You're make the a few holes in the board. Ruined, but yeah, exactly, exactly. You just don't want to be in the path of those things. So. And as we've explored before, that's probably pretty minorly compared to the property damage they see every week yeah. in Beach City. I did really appreciate that Stephen couldn't beat her because in most cartoons, like the kid would somehow just would win and he couldn't beat her and that was great <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a power of heart moment and there wasn't some cheesy i'm great at video games because i'm a kid moment right exactly because he does have those moments where he pulls some solution out of his butt like you know in the first episode when he uses that cookie cat bridge to electrocute the centipede. it's like Sometimes he'll just find this off the wall way. But this time it was just like, nope, I'm just going to have to literally destroy the machine. (laughs) He just ripped that thing off, that that grill. um, Just ripped it out and pounded the screen with it. He he tried peaceful methods. He unplugged it and Garnet pulled out random electricity powers and turned it back on. (laughs) Because she can do that. Because she's Garnet. Well, there's another way they save money. Apparently she can just... Zap an appliance and it works. I, I have drawn fan art of her charging Stephen's phone. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> oh, I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, um, I don't know if they do it anymore, but there was a blog that I used to enjoy reading for a while where they would do texts from fr- that were from the gems, texting each other and what kind of conversations they would have if they all had a phone. 
Um, and one of the fun little Easter eggs of that was Garnet's phone was always at a hundred percent. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that style of, I don't know, pro- comic probably isn't quite the word entertainment medium. There's another one I read called text from superheroes, which is pretty funny and text from yeah. dog. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that text from gems. I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was inspired by that genre, but it's fun to do. <laughs> Hmm. So another quirky thing I liked was him finding a metal mutt with his metal mutt. Yeah. <laughs> just, that was so funny to me. <laughs> and this just thrills him all the more. Double dog. Yeah. Like, is this yours, Stephen? Did you lose yours out here? Or did some other weirdo on this beach lose a metal mutt in your beach? <laughs> is this how he found the first one? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I can imagine Greg as a beachcomber. Oh, absolutely. I bet you he learned it from watching Greg do it. I had not thought of that till you said it, but I could 100% picture it. <laughs> That's fun. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I did it once, beachcombing. I haven't, but a friend of mine's dad was proper into it, and we used to occasionally <laughs> tag along. That's fun. He'd never find anything, but we were at that age that the very idea of a thing that could detect metal from a distance was just magical. Oh, sure. I mean, it's it's literal magic. It knows what's under the ground. It's amazing. <sighs> There's more, um, more absurd humor like that was the whole serial conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> and Pearls is having no luck persuading them there is no giant foot. foot. Yes, yes. <laughs> She's just like doing her spear practice or something. This is actually one of my um, pet peeves about cartoons was in that because she's swinging the spear around and there's sword noises. Like it's like metal on metal kind of noises, but she's just swinging the spear around. It's like, it's not going to make that noise if it's not rubbing other metal. And it's just like, zing, zing, yeah. but it's one spear. <laughs> no, right there with you. Yeah, I did. I did notice that, but you know, it's, I guess I would be, I would be, I would, I would be all right with having to concede that it's a magical spear. So maybe it just makes that noise. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's, it's probably got settings. You can probably customize sounds. Oh my goodness. Well, if it had settings, you know, Pearl would have them on flashy. <laughs> Everybody has to know that she's practicing. <laughs> yeah. Amethyst probably puts the latest MP3s into hers. <laughs> <laughs> in her whip <laughs> yeah well she jump ropes with it or something <laughs> yeah, she didn't she didn't pop out her whip during the parasite battle at first i don't know if that was a thing or she just didn't have a chance yeah she, i think she was protecting steven she was running with him like a football <laughs> so she didn't fight it hmm. did look like pearl actually got more of the parasites in that shot than mm-hmm. amethyst did she just kind of waved her fists around but yeah yeah that's actually when they start coming at them uh, and Pearl has her, I think she, Pearl has her spear out and Amethyst just like, uh, she ends up hugging Pearl. She's just like holding on to her, like, you're going to hide behind her? <laughs> Where? How? <laughs> She's a stick. That was kind of cute. At least, the, at least the middle few centimeters of me will be safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know if you have, but I have played DDR and I love DDR and it's really, really addictive. So I, I kind of feel Garnet on that rhythm game thing. I could definitely get sucked into something like that. Yeah. I've played it or it's off-brand cousins a few times, but... Yes. Yeah. <sighs> I believe this one was kind of, I think it was based on a couple different games that were kind of rolled into one. One of them was samba something 
Samba de Amigo, I think is the name of it. I never played that one. Um, and there's one other, some other game, some other rhythm game that's like, that's like that. Well, in that respect, a little bit Guitar Hero-ish too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I like that game too. <laughs> no, um, I tried to play it with my friends and I'm a singer, so they, they were expecting me to want to sing, but I, I ended up not knowing any of the songs. So, I mean, you can't sing the songs if you don't know the songs. I played drums. <laughs> <laughs> And I liked that. I thought that was cool. <laughs> we were too. We knew the songs too well when we played Guitar Hero, and we kind of try to interpret the version in our heads rather than what's on screen. Wow. So we don't do too well at the actual game. I see, because you do have to follow what it tells you to do, or it says you're wrong. You're horrible. Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. What else episode-wise can we talk about? Um, well, we saw Mr. Smiley again. Yeah, he had a bit He's less everywhere. beard. He had a bit less beard this time. <laughs> what? I really noticed he had less beard this time. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, yeah. I don't know. Unless there's Smiley Brothers that run the Funland franchises. Yeah. Well, he wasn't too smiley today. He was, uh, he was very angry that uh, Stephen was causing his games to get busted. No, sooner or later, I'm going to be surprised he let Stephen anywhere near him because the time before last that we saw him, Stephen smashed up or was responsible for the destruction of his amusement park. Right. And he banned him from all the rides forever, but not the arcade. (laughs) Just ban him from every business you own, Mr. Smiley, however many businesses that is. Obviously, further (laughs) incarnation of this Smiley slash Funland entertainment franchise. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know how he keeps it going. I mean, especially if he's giving away prizes like mopeds. Yeah, well, I guess that would take a lot of quarters. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> There's probably not a whole heck of a lot else to do on that boardwalk besides go to his businesses and eat the food from the other the other families. So he probably makes a good living. He just doesn't have time to live it. Yeah, maybe he just like in some way or another owns every shop or business or everything on the boardwalk and he really just has <laughs> to check in on them while the money comes rolling in. Seems like a real busy guy. And then at night he's over at the, the wrestling. <laughs> there you go. He's, pro- he's probably taking in money there from the soda sales and the tickets. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. You're right. It's got to be. It's very lucrative. I wonder what he's going to do with all of that. Hmm. I did really also like that after Garnet was back to her normal self, she went and joined her teammates and they just came together. Like they just, everything was fine when she was there. It's just like, okay, we can do this. (laughs) Yeah. The trio are functioning again. We've got this. And by this point, we can be so assured we've got this, that we will watch Stephen sweeping the floor instead of a battle with starfish parasites. Right, yeah. You just see them flipping around outside now and then. <laughs> mm. I like to do this in the show, just kind of have some missions or battles that take place off screen to kind of assure us that the gems are quite capable beings. Mm. Yep. Which works better than just telling us they're quite capable and never giving us anything to go from. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I guess they're getting also more into taking Stephen on missions to take him on the stealth mission whatever its main aim was but was to stop the spidersaurus thing Mm -hmm. but they were worried about him making noise not him being there at all Mm -hmm. so it seems like they're warming up to what they're willing to let him partake of yeah you're right he seems to be present on a lot of adventures lately and they're not questioning like why are you here or how to you know that he doesn't have to convince them to take him Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Although nobody really did anything on that mission except Garnet. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, maybe they thought she, maybe they didn't know it had a nice big kill button on the bottom of it. <laughs> maybe they didn't. Um, but even if he's not going to do anything, it's good for him to be there and get an idea of how battle goes and help with what he can help. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Between them, Pearl and Amethyst kind of balance out how dangerous something is to be for him. Because Pearl thinks everything is too dangerous for him. Yes. And Amethyst is right up the other end of the scale. Which means if you kind of balance them out, you can tell how dangerous something is likely to be. Especially if Amethyst actually does think something dangerous, it probably means things are serious. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a good observation. Because like normally, if she's just joking around or whatever, you can pretty, um, you can pretty much guess that nobody's really going to be in the deathly uh, danger there. But, uh, you know, she's a, she's a good litmus test for uh, how serious something is, I think. Yeah. Uh, unless she just doesn't know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, perceptive as any of them are, they're certainly not omniscient, so they can all be taken by surprise. Seems that way. So uh, on that note, should I ask you a probing question? Probe away. <laughs> I think I thought of something. So we're, we're talking about Garnet being the boss earlier. And just now we're talking about Amethyst and how she might act on a mission. So we see that Pearl is reluctant to acknowledge that Garnet is the boss. <laughs> so if Garnet is the boss, that might be true. But who do you think might be the oldest in the group? Hmm. Feel like it would be between Pearl and Garnet, but yeah, I was going to say all. if this question was the youngest, it wouldn't be too hard because you know, well, Stephen. <laughs> well, yeah, but even of the not human at all gems, I think it'd be a safe yeah. bet that Amethyst is the youngest, certainly the least mature. She certainly acts like it. I could actually see Pearl as the oldest, but not the most experienced, mm -hmm. because a lot of what she seems to be experienced with other than battle seems to be fairly mundane things. Mm. Her obsession has visits of cleaning, order, etc., etc. I definitely think Garnet is the most experienced because she comes across as someone who takes a lot in her stride in the sense that she has had a lot of stride and therefore has learned to take a lot in it. Yeah. If I had to guess based on character designs, which is a bit neither here nor there, I would say Pearl also looks a little older, but... Mm -hmm. There's not much to go on there, to be honest, because there's such different designs and gem mm. wise, you've only got the three to go on as well. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of using human standards and a small sample size. Yeah. Yeah. But if you had to pick one of them, it seems like Pearl is easily the most like classical, older, like old style. She, she looks more, she doesn't look modern and she doesn't look futuristic. She looks... Like, um, you know, a classic look to her. Occasionally vaguely flapperish. Ah, I could see that. But yeah, and we've talked before how she comes across as the classic maiden aunt thing here and there, which is another sort of older character type. Yeah. And of course, I have no idea if gems actually age the same way as humans, if indeed at all. Right. I don't know if they spring fully formed as they are now. Mm-hmm. I promise, though, that the, the question that I asked here, this probing question, it wasn't like any kind of leading question. I'm just wondering what you thought if you had to pick who was oldest. Yeah, and I, I think that's what I'd say, is that I think the oldest and most experienced aren't the same person in this instance. Mm -hmm. hmm. Those are some interesting observations. <laughs> I also occasionally get the idea that maybe... 
back in the days when there were more gems doing more things that Pearl might have had a few mission control type roles rather than being out in the field as often as the others. Ah, could be. Which would go with a great sense of organization. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I'm definitely like, I really like to organize myself. And that's like, that's the one way that I relate the most to Pearl. Pearl is not a relatable character to me in most other ways, but definitely like the caring about order and organizing stuff. I relate to her a lot on that (laughs) and getting frustrated with other people who mess it up. (laughs) I love the idea of order, but actually creating it is another question. Uh Uh-huh. So your filing system is more like Amethyst. (laughs) A bit, yeah. It wants to be like Pearl's, but when it comes to actually doing things, it gets a bit amethyst. <laughs> or it gets a bit gone. I just want everyone to do it all for me. <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh, uh, so. mm. oh. Nothing to eat or sing this week. There was indeed no music. Oh, there was the cereal. There was the cereal. But there was, yes, there was cereal. Uh... Yeah, food-wise, um, there was no special dish, but it probably doesn't surprise you that I have uh, acted out that scene with the cereal. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> so, they look to be your fairly standard loops or Cheerios or what have yes. you, the cereal. I did use Cheerios. And uh, I did a cute little uh, reenactment of that scene with a couple of my plushies and me in the creepy Steven mask. <laughs> Course. Yep. And uh, I posted it on one of my social media with Cheerios all over the mask face saying like, had a successful morning. I uh, defeated the foot. And I don't think too many people got it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized the spot of cultural osmosis. Now I know perfectly well what Cheerios are, but I don't think you can get them here. No. Mm. But I instantly recognize them and know they're a cereal of little loops. Yep. Uh, I bet you Stephen was eating the honey nut variety. Because um, cereal, um, in especially in the United States, I don't know where else, but especially here in the United States, the cereal aisle is this nightmare of sugar. And like these cereals are completely devoid of nutritional content. So I was actually surprised to see that Stephen was eating something that has, you know, even in the most uh, sweet variety, which would be the honey kind, um, you know, it, it has some, it has some variety or uh, some nutritional value rather. Um, the kind that I was eating was multigrain Cheerios. I like that better, but you can get regular, you can get multigrain, you can get the honey kind. I think there's some kind of frosted kind now actually. So I may have lied when I said that honey nut was the sweetest, but uh, I would not be surprised if you had been eating honey nut Cheerios. Yeah, it's about the same here. You get the more sweet type ones like Fruit Loops and mm-hmm. Cocoa Pops, which I think have some other name over there, but you can yep. probably guess what they are from the name. And various of cartoon mascots, but we've also got the, the quote-unquote dull ones like Corn Flakes and Wheat Bix and stuff like that, which are, you know, flakes of grain of some kind. 
Yeah, I got to say, like, even though I have the interests and the pursuits that I do, one of the ways that I am definitely a boring grown up is that I prefer that kind of cereal. I prefer boring cereal. No, same, same. <laughs> I guess we're old. Oh, God. <laughs> so I have seen what you describe as some of the more nightmarish American cereals. There's at one of the nearby markets, there's an American food import shop. And <laughs> compared to... Even compared to Australian equivalents of the same products, you can kind of tell how ramped up the sugar and various other things are in there. And just something about seeing them when you're used to the Australian ones, the sweetness almost seems to enter the air. Yes. I don't understand why there has to be sugary versions of these cereals that are actually pretty sweet already. (laughs) So it's like, oh, you you want some junk on your junk? Okay. (laughs) Mm. So I did do the cereal and there was really nothing else that I could make pass for a recipe. So that was really it. It doesn't really count. I still put it on my recipes list, but it's barely a recipe. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. (laughs) Yeah. um, Get Cheerios or your loop cereal of choice and some milk or your milk substitute of choice. Put in bowl, put face in bowl. Yes, pretty much. I will say that there's some cereal later on that I made in an oven. Like I made a cereal and it's, uh, it was very extra of me, but. (laughs) I love that (laughs) you go the extra kilometer for these. Well, I mean, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes I don't know why I'm doing this because I know that Steven isn't, you know, (laughs) he's not making cereal, but whatever. I guess I just want an excuse to to make an art form out of something I saw on a cartoon. Dedication to the bit. Mm-hmm. So, but even I cannot make a recipe exist when there isn't one. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's another and... one of those things you don't, in this week's case, there's nothing to recreate. You can literally go to the <laughs> shop and buy the cereal. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but um, especially early on, the the Crooniverse used to have parties when one of their episodes would come out and they would often do kind of what I do, where they would have some kind of themed food. And a lot of times the themed food was not something that was eaten in the show, although sometimes it was. Uh, A lot of times they would would find some way to make a model of something that was in the show. Um, I, I believe someone made like lady fingers, but they were cat fingers. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you know, I haven't reproduced those like, cause those are their ideas, but sometimes they've coincided. And um, so sometimes they'll make like a prop out of Rice Krispie treats or something. So that's pretty cool. Like if there was nothing to make, they could still make something. They could make the monster of the week or something like that. <laughs> hmm. I imagine there's a lot of attraction for those people that make those elaborate cakes. There must be a lot of temptation to make replicas of stuff that way. Oh, yeah. I've seen some really good ones from professional bakers. I've seen one or two that they made a cake that looked like a together breakfast, but it was a cake and stuff like that. Oh, I've seen some amazing ones. Of course, they're using really advanced bakery tools and fondant and stuff like that. And I don't really like that stuff, so... (laughs) Uh, but I did make that strawberry cake and it was very fancy for me mm. <laughs> from episode eight. It sounded very nice. Had the like virtual taste of that when you're describing it. Yes. Oh my goodness. My kitchen smelled so good that day. <laughs> Cooking strawberries. Oof. And it's nice because some people don't like the taste of fake strawberry, like a flavoring. This completely does away with that feeling like that you're eating something fakey. 
So, well, now that we've gone back to episode eight. Uh, <laughs> well, there was no food this time, except cereal. So we don't, as you said, there's not really music to talk about, although the video game music was cool. <laughs> I did yeah. like how video gamey it was, which was not too surprising that it was great because of the people that do the music for this have a background in video gamey stuff. Yeah, and we've spoken before about how a lot of video game ethos ends up in the show. Oh, yeah. I don't always know if they mean to or not, but as you've said, they're yeah. very into video games. So I think it just ends up in there. And when they're actually doing video games in the show, they'd be able to bring it all home. Yeah. It's clear at this point that Steven himself has played quite a lot of video games. He's saying like his special move is forward, forward, back, top towards half circle. <laughs> <laughs> he knows all the combos. That's a real thing in video games to say, oh, it's got a special move. All you have to do is... And I'm like, yeah, I would just mash buttons. Yeah, I'm like, I can just about tell the difference between punch and kick in this game. Mm-hmm. I did like those brawl games, though. Like, once I figured out a couple things that I can do, I, I had a lot of fun with those. I'd play a lot in uh, high school. Yeah, same. <laughs> Played Double Dragon a lot, was one of them. You did? <laughs> yeah. I used to play like the X Men versus Street Fighter. Um, and it used to play. Um, Oh, Mortal Kombat and then also Street Fighter. But um, yeah, I, I started yeah. to get too confused about uh, in the Mario games when they started putting maps on things. I'd get lost. I always get lost in real life. So I didn't want to get lost in a video game. <laughs> the The Marvel Street Fighter game was very popular at the local arcade at the time here. Yeah, us too. Like me and one of my friends would basically do the same thing Steven was doing, except we didn't have a metal mutt. We'd be walking around outside the arcade looking for quarters in the, in the grass <laughs> or like checking the coin returns and trying to get one more game. Or like one time we, um, we were hanging around um, watching some guys playing and trying to get them to pay for us to play against them. <laughs> Sometimes that works. <laughs> So we, we were freeloaders. We didn't have any money. We were, we were teenagers. So yeah, I remember it well. There are a lot of games I I used to just, (laughs) there are a lot of games I used to just watch rather than play. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's more fun Mm. is what it is. Um, We used to sometimes rent a game from like the blockbuster. We'd rent a video game and try to beat it before we had to take it back. But that was sometimes really hard to do. Yeah, especially as you go on later and later in games, they get longer and longer. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, unless it was the weekend, you had to go to school. You couldn't just like devote all of your time playing it anyway. (laughs) That's my life. Hmm. Any uh, any guesses as to what you think my piece of merchandise this this week is? <laughs> There's a few options. I'm torn between meat maracas and starfish parasites. <laughs> well, yes. Should I, I? I guess I should pull this out. Um, okay, so I have a little sort of. It's a McFarlane toy set of Garden oh. playing the video game, and it does have meat maracas that you can put into her hands. Oh, that's it's cool. pretty cool. Little meat guys. <laughs> so she can hold them. Um, I like that Garnet one. is, uh, uh, yeah, I had to put it together. So Garnet does not have her visor on. She's uh, ah. very involved. <laughs> yep. But she looks much more animated in this. She's not blank and transfixed. She's like angry looking and smiling. <laughs> Maybe so. this is like a later session where she manages to play the game without getting entirely drawn in. 
that would be that would be great. That's a great explanation for it. I don't know. I think I just pulled off the whole. Yeah, I tried to take the meat out and put it in her hands, but I I broke the game like Steven. (laughs) I just like pulled the whole handle off. (laughs) I don't know my own strength. Now I'm trying to play with this toy and I don't know how to do it. So, but the screen on it is very Meat Beat Mania E. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just yeah. a big sticker. And it was a lot of fun to put together. Looks like um, it, yeah. I have a few of these. Um, that The one that I showed you of uh, Greg, Greg's van, is also one of these series. See, I wondered if it was part of a whole bunch. Yeah, there's like six of them. There she is holding them. This one also definitely shows us why she's called Captain Square. <laughs> Her hair is quasi cubic in what you're showing me. Yes. It's a little bit bread loafy, but it's definitely like square. Her whole head is like a Frankenstein monster. Well, I've sort of her hair is bread shaped since episode one, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely looks like a bread loaf to me. <laughs> so this episode was storyboarded also by Lamar Abrams, who I think is a weirdo, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by Alice Romanillos again and. I think it's uh, Luke Weber is the third storyboarder on here. And Luke did not do any more before or after this. I don't know why he was on this one. Didn't recognize his name. Nope. Maybe he's just like a staff animator or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's There were a couple in this early in season one where, um, and it always seemed to occur with boarding with Lamar Abrams. It would be some person I never saw before or since would board with him and then disappear forever. So uh, I have some questions for Lamar Abrams. <laughs> Who are you driving away from storyboarding, sir? I don't know. They might have been like borrowing people to stand in until they got like a permanent person. Maybe Lamar Abrams is like slow or late or someone and they have to <laughs> like call someone in, just whoever they get to fill in. <laughs> I really just, I don't know, because I know Aleph, who did Stephen's Lion with Lamar, uh, so they did two in a row together. Aleph doesn't do stuff typically. Like, Aleph works on the show, but not as a storyboarder usually. And then we have this one, and then I guess the next one that Lamar does is with another person who appears once and disappears. And then the next one he does by himself. And then the next one after that, he also does by himself. So I'm like, could you just get nobody to work with Lamar? Is he too weird? (laughs) As word spread by the time of those later episodes. Yeah. (laughs) They finally do get him a relatively regular person by episode 23. So, (laughs) and she works with him until, let's see. Oh my goodness. Oh, um, it's late. It's somewhere in season two, early season two. He gets a regular person to work with him. Uh, now I'm forgetting which episode number that is. Um, not that it matters. <laughs> yeah, I think it's 59, if I'm not mistaken, is the last one that he does with that person. Oh, enough of that random trivia. Um, what else do I have? Any other random trivia? Um, <laughs> oh, I wrote down in this window over here what the episode description was. Uh, if you had read it and spoiled yourself, you would have heard Stephen takes the Crystal Gems to Funland Arcade, where Garnet learns the Allura video games. That spoils too much! It's too much! <laughs> it's just too much. Especially as she is the one you would least expect to find the Allura video games. I agree. Like, you know, if I had, if I had decided, hey, wh- you know, let me, let me be real specific with my request for a prediction from you or something in the beginning. Like, okay, who's going to, who's going to get wrapped up in arcade mania? Like, which of the three? Yeah, like, if it was Amethyst and that made it into the, into the description, you'd go, yeah, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of having a, an episode description spoil what's going to happen. But like you, like we've said in several other ones, it seems like they're written for people who want to know, oh, that's the episode where blah, blah, blah. This is the one I've seen that I want to look. So, mm. Well, sometimes it's like they, some seem to have one description for before it goes out, another for later when they figure everyone knows. I guess so. Um, I remember reading some stuff where there were some pretty spoilery episode descriptions way, way before a bunch of episodes came out, like 20 episodes in advance for season one. You know, there was still plenty of speculation, but I guess if they're going to give stuff away like that in the description, there's still plenty of surprises. The people who make the Arrowverse shows, they started their big crossover last week, and they accomplished part of that by simply lying, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just learn not to trust them. That kept us on our toes. I'll bet. My gosh. Uh, well, there's an example of that in, I'm still playing with my toys. Um, <laughs> um, there's an example of that in Steven Universe, kind of too far down for me to mention yet, but people got really mad about it, even though it wasn't straight up lying. It was like sort of misdirection. And I don't know, the, people were acting like they had been betrayed and they were like so angry about this this misdirection. And I don't know, it's just, it's amazing how out of proportion to what actually happened, <laughs> the reaction was. Unfortunately, well, in the Arrowverse ones, the fandom seems to have been so pleased with the surprises as to get over being lied to. I see. Yeah. I certainly was. Well, because there are a couple of uh, Crooniverse people who answer questions sometimes on mo- media and stuff, I have seen a couple times where something that someone says was widely interpreted one way, and it turned out to not be a lie, but you could see why everybody took it to mean something else. And then people were like, I don't trust anything they say, even if they straight up answer a question. Like, it's just, they, they think nobody on that crew is, is, uh, is trustworthy. And I'm like, come on, you know, they're trying to help you understand. And if you don't want to believe them, it's up to you. But I consider the question answered. <laughs> so it's a new age. We can, we can communicate with show creators and they can do with that power what they will. <laughs> mm. Is what it is. Yeah, I do like a good creator Q&A, but certainly wouldn't want to be spoiled for some big surprise if they go, oh, yeah, this guy's real father is, in fact, <laughs> you know, two seasons early or something. Yeah. yeah. You would hope that they wouldn't ever do something like that or go out of their way to, like, hint something else, and then that's really annoying, too. <laughs> uh, the What do they call that? A red herring? Yeah. I was actually at live Q&A where an actor accidentally reveal, revealed there and then that they left the show that everyone thought they were still on. Oh, wow. That because, was a whammy. Yeah, because, of course, to the actor, they'd finished working on it months previously. Yeah. Yeah. I have seen a couple times where uh, people who are maybe on the voice cast, they don't quite realize where in the broadcast we are. Mm. And they'll say something that's not really a spoiler, but they'll say something that makes us realize something that they didn't realize we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Just little things like this guy said, oh, I played Sergeant Bolton for three years. And people went, played? He went, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You have to be careful. Hmm. Okay, so any more to delve on this one? Well, I don't have any more fun factoids for you, and I think we pretty well covered the episode. So I am ready to move on if you are. <laughs> I certainly am ready for... I don't even know the title of the next one. I haven't looked at that yet. For episode 12. 
for episode 12. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll well. say this thing. Until next time, when you hear me react to episode 12, we'll be <laughs> Ivy and Daria, the Not-So-Giant Women, signing off. <laughs> yes. Until next time, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Ivy and Daria on Not-So-Giant Women. You can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up Not-So-Giant Women on YouTube or in audio form at anchor.fm slash Not-So-Giant Women or your podcatcher of choice. You You can can also also find find us on Facebook. Facebook. Audio production by Daria. Video production and music by Ivy. Daria can also be heard on Podsploitation, the Ozploitation podcast. And Ivy at her Steven Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended.